Hello and welcome. I'm Lori Hardy. Thanks for listening in as we continue to talk with leaders and influencers in our community and beyond. Kathy Heller is a fire hose of inspiration. She's the host of the popular podcast, Don't Keep Your Day Job. I love that so much. It has over 11 million downloads and has been featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur Magazine, HuffPost, Inc. Magazine, and Business Insider, as well as several times by Apple. I could read all this amazing stuff about you, Kathy. You have a book. So many of the people that you mentioned, like Seth Gooden, I've followed him by email for so many years, and I love it that you're so connected yeah. with him. And then I heard you on a podcast about a week or two ago, and I've been binge listening to all of your podcasts. And what really struck me was that we are in this time. Everybody's handling it different. A lot of leaders getting out and they're saying, be positive. Be but what I loved about you is you were just talking about passion. So just tell me what it is about your podcast. As a life coach myself, this is what I hear all the time. Don't quit your day job. So don't keep your day job. Just totally resonates with me. Oh, so sweet. Well, thank you for all the generous love and words you just poured into me. I really think that that's just so kind and I appreciate it. Yeah, I feel like this is such an intense time. What's also true that for years I was saying don't keep your day job. Now a lot of people don't have a choice, which is so painful and, and it's mm-hmm. so disruptive. It feels so scary and human beings don't like change. So this is a major pattern interrupt. And not only that, but a lot of us people really close to us who are sick or some who passed away and I've already experienced that, which is really so painful. So I think nobody knows how to groom this right. It's not like every anyone else has like secret answer. It's hard. That's true that it's just you cry. Like it's four o'clock. You have no reason why other than like it's just so much to feel and you cry. And so that's okay. But what's also true is the the gifts and the opportunities that are, they're also here. They just are. I'll start to share with you what I mean is that in my work, in my business, we're seeing a 300% increase in attention. And that's really interesting. I also think it's really important to understand that a year ago, before the pandemic, before there was a coronavirus that we knew of, 1.6 million Americans uh, attempted suicide. And 54% of our country said that they had some kind of medication or something they did to treat their depression. So we already had serious problems. And we had problems with isolation and loneliness. And so my question is, I wonder if some of the businesses that won't survive, were they really the businesses people need? Were they really laced with radical amounts of empathy? Or do we not need more stuff? Do we need more connection? And what's fascinating is, I think that because of the isolation, the literal separation of humans, people are making a point to call someone on Zoom, to have those conversations, to proactively connect in a way that we weren't before. And so I've been saying to my husband, there's something about this quarantine that I don't want it to go back to the way that it was. I like that I am more present in the moments with my kids. We are making a point to eat dinner together every night. Of course we are. We're barbecuing. We're taking walks around the block. We're also having a lot of moments of anxiety as well because of friends who are sick and we're worried about going to the grocery store. I'm not discounting the truth, but there are many times in life when when things are not one dimension. There's little things happening at the same time. And I feel as though for a lot of people, I've been saying for years, is what you do you? Is it your work? Because I often think I have a three-year-old and a six-year-old and an eight-year-old and we do puzzles a lot. And I'm telling you, it's always the most frustrating thing when we go to finish a puzzle and we're missing a piece. It's it's awful. It's like, oh God. (laughs) And I see it as though every single one of us is a piece that needs to be put in in order for the puzzle to be complete. I really feel this way from my gut. 
And I know that's true because every person, even a twin, has a different set of DNA, a different imprint, which means we have a different imprint to make. So the question I've been asking for a long time is, what's your work? What really is your work in this world? How do you really show up and be you? Because the world needs it or else you wouldn't be here. There's no pieces. And if it's not put in, the puzzle's not complete and we're missing something. And so I wonder if in this time, there's an opportunity to come home to ourselves and maybe have the courage to put into the world what's always been a thing that weren't doing that we've always needed to do. I can't tell you how many people I know that hate their job. They don't want to give up their insurance. There's so much fear. And I love that you are saying, hey, this is like, who are we really? Yeah, that's the question. Often when we are growing up as kids, I think it's what's modeled for us. And and we as people, we reach for the highest branch we can see. So if the highest branch laid out for us is, go to college, get a job or work for your company or look, your uncle's a doctor. So do that. You do that. You do whatever you can see being the hot branch. And what I'm trying to do on my podcast every single week, twice a week is show people a path, a higher branch, right? Like every person who's been on the show, whether it's Howard Schultz, Barbara Corcoran, Jenna Fisher, Mandy Moore, Bob Brown, everyone who's been on started a business from nothing. Howard Schultz, who is a billionaire who created Starbucks, this man grew up in public housing at last stop of the L train in Canarsie Glen. They lived in a 400 square foot apartment. They lived on welfare. Everyone who's been on, I'm trying to show people a new possibility. So what I'm saying is it's not either I do something I hate and work for someone else or I get lucky and become Beyonce. There's so much <laughs> in the middle, right? There's so much in between. I sit here in my home, my three kids, and I make multi-seven figure, five, eight million dollars a year doing things I do not think are a job. It is a pleasure. I love it. Did I know that 14 years ago that that was a thing? No, I didn't. I had a record deal. I got dropped from Interscope, and then I went and got a day job. And two years in, I was so depressed. I had gained weight. I didn't like the person I was. I recognized myself. I wasn't enjoying the people I was dating. Nothing felt aligned. And I finally asked a new question, which is, is there any other way? Is it, you know, I get lucky and somebody finds me singing in the back of a church like Clive did, or I have to work for someone else. And I started asking new questions and I started to say, how can I serve the world? What do I love to do? What can I try? And I think the cost of admission is courage. <sighs> it's courage. And I think often people think they have a business problem or a marketing problem. It's a courage problem. It's I think like, that's a hashtag. What did you say? The cost of admission is courage? Courage. Ugh. Yeah. I love that. So, yeah. And I also think that at the end of the day, you know, I wrote a book called also Don't Keep Your Day Job. And Macmillan said to me before we put the book out, my publisher, what's the most important aspect of building a business? And I said, audience, because if you have an audience, whether you want to sell V cupcakes, T-shirts, a yoga class, whatever you want to sell, you need an audience. And so what really comes down to is that business is a relationship. Business is empathy at scale. So what we do when we want to build a business is about deep engagement. It's about three good conversations a day. It's about asking what they need. It's about showing up and serving. Not about 10 million followers. It's not about being the most effort, the most fancy, the most perfect. It's about deep engagement. And when you go and you show up and you have that kind of empathy, you, you're in a category of one. Everybody needs that. There's never a human being, whether it's Warren Buffett, Barack Obama, Lady Gaga, there's not a person on the planet who, can't, who couldn't use extra 
presence in their life. It's never like, oh, I don't need you to be present for me. I'm all filled up on that. I got many people in my life see me and make me feel seen. I'm good. I'm done. I don't need anybody, I don't need anybody else. And that's something that there is such a deficit of in the world. And we do that for people. That's so true. And I love what your governor of you're in California, he said, let's not call it social distancing because we need that so much. Let's call it physical distancing. I live alone. So my daughter, they have four kids and they're all crammed in a tiny little house, but they're they're having fun making it work. And then here's me. I'm alone. I need people. I miss hugs, you know, and it's so awkward. You see people, you know, and you're like, I guess I can't have you. Hi. And then you you feel like you have to leave and not even have conversation. And then people my age are learning how to do Zoom, how to, how to Skype things that they've just put off because they're like, they didn't need it. And so now they're learning new things. There's such an element to that. When we start to realize I love that business is relationship and serving because if you just have a gadget and you want to sell it and you don't care if people need it, what you said in the beginning, maybe that's if you're losing your business, maybe because nobody really needed it anyway. And the thing is, the things that, you know, even if they did need it, what do they need more? Mm. And is it really you? Like, did you really think that was the full extent of who you are and what brings the world? Or is there something even deeper? Is your compassion a bigger source of, of, of this? Is your passion, is your enthusiasm, is your ability to shine a light on other people's stuff? I don't know. I just know that what we want as human beings is we want belonging. I know that we want you know, connection, contribution. These are the things that make us happy. The goals don't make people happy. Why would we have 54% of, the, of a depression rate in our society if people were fulfilled? It's not about checking the boxes. There's something missing, and the missing is serving. We want to serve. We want to feel like what we do makes a real difference for other human beings. That's what makes us feel seen. It's very win-win. I love what you say about ask another question. Is there another way to make money in the music industry? Was that it? Yeah. And my, my question was like, is there any other way for me to make a living doing what I love? Or is it just yeah. work for someone else and be miserable or, or get lucky to start? You're so young and you're figuring out living a life you love, what you said about they call it work, but it's not. And I think the message that has trickled down, I think your generation is really changing it, is you have to work hard and you have to do all this stuff. And and then it, it love what you said about from beyond say, you know, there's no in-between. What I try so hard with my clients to help them see is so often they're like, well, I'm never going to be this. It's like, yeah, you're not supposed to be that. Yeah, and that's what I mean. It's like we need every puzzle piece. And a lot of times I think we just have like the wrong definition of like failing. I think that, like I said, what we need in order to build business is courage. Mm-hmm. I think the number one reason people don't start things is because they don't want to hear no. They don't want to be rejected. And it's because there's a seven-year-old you, there's an eight-year-old <laughs> version of you who got their heart broken. Somebody walked that. out. Somebody passed away. Right. Somebody didn't love you. Somebody rejected someone you loved and you watched it and witnessed it. Like there's so much old heart that's never really been dealt with. We are sitting on so much pain and it, it prevents us from going out and putting ourselves out there because we think, well, everyone will say this or you will like me or there's already people who don't like us. Like every one of us, we could be the best thing ever. You're going to be everyone's flavor. And it's not relevant because what we know is that the failure is not somebody not wanting it or the blog post being mediocre. Like everyone starts making mediocre things. The, the, the win is making the choice to do the thing. That's a win. It's like you went ahead and you did it and you did it again and you did it again. And the truth is creativity is a numbers game because 
you mentioned Seth Godin before, who I love. Yes. He is one of those famous bloggers in the world. If you type Seth, just if you just type Seth into Google, boom, his blog comes up, right? That's how famous he is. And he said, you know, Kathy, 50% of my blog posts are below average. And he said, and I'm not saying I'm a bad writer. I'm saying that's what an average means. 50% of it is below, 50% of it is above, which means let's get real. Mm. Nobody needs perfect. It's show up. So you need mediocre stuff. Fine. It's going to get better. And this is why what you just said is like, you know, if you widget, nobody needs it. When I say business empathy, that's what I mean. I really mean you, everyone who's listening right now. If something that you do, when all is stripped away in your quarantine, you find yourself cooking, you find yourself wanting to connect people, you find yourself being a good listener, you find yourself wanting to paint, listen to that. There's something in that. And what I think is if you have the courage to just start to walk toward it, it is so easy where we'll sort of like overestimate what it will take for things to work. And we, we, we don't understand. It's, it's really not that hard. It's like, let's say you want to create some, some paint and, and crafting thing on Zoom right now. Think of one person who you think might be the kind of person who'd be interested in it. Run it by her. See what she has to say. Get feedback. Did you like it? Have you ever done anything like it? You know, would you do some of this? And then see if you can make something for her and then see if she goes, yeah, to that. And then, okay, who are three more people like that? How could you start to get the word out there? What I want people to hear is really important is that while certain parts of the economy are just falling apart, just completely crumbling, there's also other things that are moving. Hasbro is having a huge spike. People are buying games, Monopoly, jigsaw puzzles. We're seeing companies sell baking equipment, rolling pins, icing trays. People are all of a sudden doing that. Hobbies, yarn, knitting, tools, all that stuff is up. Classes, online classes, online connections, podcasts, all these things that people consume. People are looking to be connected. They're looking to be entertained. They're looking to be productive. And there are people who would normally be spending money now on a vacation for the spring. They're looking on that money online. So before you decide, and I want to say one more thing. Before you decide, like, I'm not going to do because there's no one buying and some people want to start a business or sell or grow a business right now because they think it's more sensitive. Listen, just like the blood, just like the blood in the body, like it has to flow. The money in the economy has to keep going. So the best thing you can do your neighbor is make money so you can spend it. Hi, people. I'm hiring right now. I'm spending right now. I'm online today shopping for a few things for my kids to keep them busy, buying myself more stuff to keep myself educated and hiring two people this month. You either have the courage to sell or you will work for someone who does. So either you're saying it's fine for them to sell and they better hire me mm-hmm. or I'm going to sell because I believe that selling is serving and I want to figure out a way that I can show up and serve somebody. And maybe if I just started with like six clients, I know this woman who's doing digital organizing over, oh. over Zoom. She's helping to organize their closets. Like, do you know how quickly she started to make 2500 a month, 6400 a month? It is a, it's, it's real. And you don't need 1,000 or 50,000 people to love you. You can start a great business mm-hmm. with just a few people. And then now you're able to spend more. Now you're able to serve more. And maybe you're even doing something you love. How could that be? Oh, my gosh. So cool. I remember when I wanted to early on, I mean, I became a coach way back in 1998 before the Internet, but I wanted to do a radio show. And I remember I didn't want to tell anyone. I didn't want anyone to steal my idea. And a coach that I had said, there's enough. You share your idea. You talk about it because there's enough room for everyone. And that has so resonated with me because I just it's like, let's not live in fear. 
Absolutely. Let's not live in fear. And I teach people, you know, how do you build an engaged audience? How do you monetize things? And when it comes to sharing stuff, there's no end to how much room there is. At the end of the day, by the way, <laughs> people are not paying for information anyway. It's all been done. It's all been shared. So, so when you share it, when you sell a course, when you create a yoga class, when you're a guitar teacher, a, a cooking class, it's not the recipe. They find that online. It's the implementation. It's you. It's your making space for them, seeing, giving them feedback. That's what people pay for. It's they want to get things done. Nobody needs more on the to-do list. They want a to-done list. So <sighs> share it. Scream it from the rooftop. Give it all away for free. And then if people want you to show up in their life and make space and witness and give feedback or help or curate some kind of a, a group, a program, however you want to show up for people, that they can charge for because that is unique. It's the moment. It's the, it's the connection of that moment that they are paying for anyway. There's so much room for people to share. I have a listener who listened to my podcast and said, I have no idea what I'm doing with my, my marriage is on the rock with no money. He's been cheating. He's an alcoholic. I've got these problems. We haven't had sex in years. Like we're done and we've no money. She said, but Kathy's inspired me. I'm going to start a podcast. So she starts a podcast and she said, I'm going to make it about how bad our life is actually. <laughs> because I, I know every time I look for some inspiration, everyone's not all the answers and it makes me feel bad. Like all marriage podcasts make me feel worse. Hmm. So she starts this podcast called Marriage and Martinis where her husband and her just sit having real conversations about everything I just said. So it's all public. <laughs> and the world responded and said, thank you so much for saving my marriage because now I know I'm not alone. And another one, and another one. Within nine months, she had 300,000 downloads. Within nine months, she had 150,000 followers on Instagram. People saying, thank you for not being an expert. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for realizing that even that had to be shared because your mess turned my pain into a purpose. Now I get that I'm not alone. What a blessing, right? And it saved her marriage. It saved her marriage and it made the money. Wow. So, Next time you think that your story doesn't matter because yeah. everyone else already shared every story like that, are you joking? How many times a day could you hear someone say, I really, you could never hear that enough. Right. So all day long when you're scrolling, you're just looking for posts that make you go, oh, I'm not alone. And it doesn't matter. You don't have to have the worst story. You don't have to have, God forbid, lost your legs like Amy Purdy, who was on my podcast, is a three-time Paralympic medalist. It's an amazing story. And she's incredible. She's a superhero. She's unbelievable. But there's also people who want to share how they're getting through postpartum or how it's really hard because there's a nuance to the way they're hunting them. They communicate differently and it's really hard. And goes, Thank you for sharing that. And that's mm -hmm. how I feel too. It, it's, it's amazing how we belittle our story. We belittle our expertise. We belittle what we can make. They might want what you make. Why not just give, it, give them a chance? And share it and share the why and share yourself. Because when people buy anyway from your Etsy shop, it's probably because of the way they felt. It's not because of the thing. And so it's about creating the whole world around whatever we sell, whatever we do to serve, which is really, it comes back to our, our hearts, our, ourselves. That's it. What would you say to somebody who's listening right now? And uh, believe me, I know there's a person with tears in their eyes right now because you are offering them hope. They have thought about things. They've questioned it. What is the different question or what do they do with this? How do they get past that thing that's been getting in their way? Okay. Everyone who's listening, listen to me. You've been assigned. We need you. You've been assigned or you wouldn't be here. I had two rounds of fertility treatment. They have my kids. It's one in 400 trillion 
that you're here, that that sperm met that egg and it's you. We need you. You're assigned. It is a moral obligation for you to have courage to get past all that and to show up. And if you think about every movie you've ever watched in your life, whether it's Rocky or Frozen or Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the hero of the movie is a person who keeps coming up against their limiting beliefs, keeps coming up against that part of them that says, no, not you. Don't Mm -hmm. try again. It won't work. And they do it anyway. And that's why we cry at those movies. That's the hero's journey. And that is everyone's journey. So really, it's not about making the million dollars or getting the house. It's about breaking through your own upper limit. All that stuff that's like, this is the ceiling. This is what I'm not worth this. I'm this, but I'm not that. That can happen for her, but not for me. It's like, you break through that. That's your job every day. And then you really win. You are the person who, when everyone had 99 reasons why it wouldn't work, look what you did. You survived. You did. Every one of you who's listening has three stories that are heartbreaking. And somehow you kept going. You chose love. You chose courage. And you're here. So you've done it all already. You just have to realize that, yeah, you have to do that every day. That's going to keep coming because that's the choice. That's the human experience. And so we've always had to choose this. I, I, know, I was thinking, to put it in perspective, so my grandparents escaped the Holocaust, okay? Oh. My grandmother came here when she was 15, having family members murdered, holding one single tea kettle, which is all she could take. My kids and I were watching The Sound of Music, and I haven't seen it since I was like six years old, and it's beautiful, and I'm so happy that they loved it, and we had enough time in quarantine to finally sit down and watch such a long movie, and... I was asking my husband, oh, my God, wait, the Von Trapps, who had all this money, they leave Austria. You know, at the end, they walk over the mountain to Switzerland. And I go, they lose everything? And he goes, yes, that's what happened to all these people. If they left, they lost it all. And I went, what? That's what happened? And then I realized, yeah, my grandmother had, she had lost every human, every human she loved, plus everything that they had. And all she had was a tea kettle. And she came to this country and she didn't speak any English. And I think about what's going on right now. And I think, oh, my God, we stand on the shoulders of giants. Every one of us. It doesn't matter if your parents or parents, God forbid, went through a Holocaust. If you pick any, any country, the Irish, people who grew up in, the, in, in the, the, the South American region, Africa, Asia, pick the, the amount of things. Go back. Grandparents, the polio, the things that they went, famines, wars, right? My, my point is. We are like, if you compared to my grandmother's life, she'd be like, you're glamping, Cass. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you, you, you don't know. You know. And the human being is so resilient. We are so adaptable. And it doesn't mean that this doesn't hurt. But I'm sorry. Like, before this happened, there were people dying of cancer. There were kids dying of leukemia. There were people committing suicide. It's not new that they're suffering. There's always been suffering. The question is now, as a community, we're all in it together. We're all belonging in it together. And there's an opportunity to say, where and how can I lead now? Where and how can I show up right now? And you'll look back and you'll say, I was here for it. I made it epic. And it wasn't easy. And I was depressed some days. And then I chose four hours later to rise. And I helped other people to rise too. And then some days you'll say, the best thing for me to do right now is just to watch some Netflix. And that's good, too, because give yourself the same empathy you give someone else. But let's not, let's not make it what it isn't. This is not the end. 
of the world as you know it. We are going to come out of this. Some people won't. Some people won't have that joy. Some people are going to are going to lose their lives. But we are going to, for many of us, be able to make choices here and to be able to rebuild from the ashes. And maybe from that place, maybe some new life is born. When you look at things that are born, they die. And from the tech comes the new fruits, right? That's how it happens in winter. Every tree, it dies and it comes back better. So I wonder what needs to go and what needs to be born. That is so beautiful. I hate it that we're out of time because I could listen to you for hours. But I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little Kathy thing here and do takeaway because that's what I learned from you. What's your work and how do you show up? And I love asking question. We're in an incubator right now. And we have opportunity to ask a new question. I love that so much. And one other thing that came up, we started with the missing piece of puzzle. And honestly, I keep seeing that people are doing puzzles and they get done in the piece missing. What if that piece is you? What if you didn't do what you were sent to do? And you're that missing piece that all these other people can't quite finish because that missing piece is you and you're saying no. Thank you so much, Kathy. Now tell me again, the name of your book is the same as the podcast, which is Don't Keep Your Day Job. It's about finding your light work and turning your joy, your passion into what you do for your day-to-day life. Thank you so much. And my hope is in this time, I want people to have hope and you bring hope. Everything you said today just gave me tears, gave me joy. And wouldn't it be awesome if we walked out of this quarantine living our best life, living what we were truly here to do. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. You have such a bright light in your soul and feel it, and you're doing such good work. So thank you for letting me be part of it today. I'm Lori Hardy. Thanks for listening today. We hope you have learned something new, gotten some new hope. Join us again this next week as we continue to talk with people that are making a difference in our community and beyond.